0: When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well hi 5.30, my name is Andrew, I am one of the pastors here, and it's great to have you join us, particularly if you're new or visiting with us, as we celebrate Christmas and do something a little different tonight with three short reflections on the passage we just heard from Matthew chapter 1. I wonder if earlier this year you watched the coronation of King Charles. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I watched it, and it was epic It was absolutely epic. Uh, The whole thing, the whole day, cost 186 million Australian dollars to put on. Uh, There were millions of people watching. There was gold and jewelry everywhere. It was very formal, traditions dating back hundreds of years, marching bands, military outfits. And then the king arrived in this gold-plated carriage with velvet upholstery and satin on the inside. It was so epic. Now contrast the arrival of that king to the arrival of God's king 2,000 years ago. No spectacle, born in a manger in a backwater suburb. God himself, humbling himself to be born as a child. And that is what we remember at the first Christmas. This child is God's king. There are three names we're going to look at in this passage that are given to Jesus. And the first one is that he is the Messiah. You can see it there in chapter 1, verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. It's a word that's used to talk about God's anointed king. This baby was God's anointed king, the one who people have been waiting for. Uh, The story goes on uh, that uh, he says, His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. We often forget how scandalous the first Christmas was. It really is scandalous. You have to feel for Joseph, don't you? He has just found out that his fiancee, Mary, is pregnant. And he knows he hasn't been sexually active with her. He knows that it is not his baby. And so you've got to feel for him. Can you imagine the worry he was feeling or the humiliation or the jealousy Uh, Back then, engagement was a much more serious thing than it is today. It was a very different kind of concept, much more binding. And and in that culture at that time, Joseph is realizing that for him to progress with this marriage was to put his reputation on the line, his family's reputation, his family's social standing. You've got to feel for Joseph. And so what he decides to do is he decides to divorce her. Now, he's not being a jerk here. It's easy to read this and think, gee, Joseph's being a bit of a jerk. Actually, I think he was driven by a real love for God's laws. He knew that to marry Mary would be to disobey God's laws and also be frowned upon in society. He's not being a jerk. But the way he goes about planning this divorce is compassionate. He could have shamed her. He could have totally shamed her, but he plans to divorce her quietly until the angel speaks to him. And God says through this angel, verse 20, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This baby that Mary was carrying, is from God. Now, maybe you're sitting here going, come on, I believe in science. I studied science at Macquarie University. That is not how babies are conceived. You Christians, you just don't like science, and this is another sign of it. I would totally agree with you. This is not how babies are conceived. If you've been given the impression that Christians are anti-science or that science and Christianity don't go together? Can I can't say it's so far from the truth? Right? I actually think there's no contradiction at all between God and science. For us to believe this isn't saying that we're anti-science. It really is true that this does not happen. That's the point. This is miraculous. This baby is from God, and this baby is God's king. Joseph is there described as Joseph's son of David. If you know anything about the Old Testament, David was one of the greatest kings in the Old Testament. One of the greatest. But he died. And it was promised that from David's line would come another king. God's perfect king. A king who would save his people. A king who would rule with justice and reign With peace, and the people of Israel waited and waited for that king to come. And here we have Joseph. He is the son of David. He's in the line of David. And by marrying Mary, he basically adopts Jesus as his son. This son, Jesus, his heavenly father is God. He's conceived by the Holy Spirit, but his earthly father, who would raise him, who'd be changing his nappies and playing with him in the carpenter's shop, was Joseph himself, the son of David, which means this king was the promised king in the line of David, God's perfect king, the one who would come to bring peace, the one who would come and bring justice. Isn't that what we long for in our world today? Peace and justice. You think about what we're seeing happening between Israel, Palestine. We long for peace and justice. And he's the king who would come, most of all, to set his people free from sin. That is how he would achieve Peace and justice. You know, King Charles, when he was coronated, he wore a crown that weighed 2.2 kilograms. very heavy, yeah. <laughs> covered in ruby, rubies, sapphires. This king, God's king, would not wear that kind of crown. he'd wear a crown of thorns. because he was going to be a king who would die on the cross. What kind of king would do that? A king who came to rule over sin and death. This Christmas, we are invited, we are called to bow our knee before this King, Jesus Christ, to make him our Lord, to make him our Master, to follow him. And when we do that when we recognize him for who he is, the true king, can I say everything else in our life falls into place? We experience the meaning and the purpose and the beauty that we were made to experience. Let's keep gazing together at this beautiful picture of Christmas in Matthew chapter 1. We've seen the first thing about Jesus. The first name that was given to him was Messiah. He's God's king. But the second name that is given to him is that he's a saviour. He's a saviour. And my wife and I, we've had two kids, and both times when it came to picking our children's names, we found it very hard. We obsessed over it. We way overthought it. We wanted names that were cool but not too cool, different but not too different. And uh, honestly, I I would have been fine with someone picking it for us I wouldn't have minded if, you know, the decision was just taken out of her hands and just, you know, said, yeah, this is the name. Uh, And that's basically what happens with Joseph. The angel's talking to him and says, sorry, mate, you don't get to pick. He's got a name picked out from God. The name is Jesus. You see there verse 21? She will give birth to a son, and you were to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That name, Jesus, was a common name among the Jews. It was connected with the idea that God saves, the Lord saves. That is what Jesus has come to do at Christmas, to save us. Save us from what? To save us from our sins. You see, at Christmas, we see that Jesus came to be more than just an inspiring person, more than just a good teacher. Now Those things are true. But he is more than that. He has come first and foremost to save us from our sin. And he would one day go and die on a cross to do just that. All the wrong we have ever done, all the times we have disobeyed God's commands, done what we should have done, done what we should not have done, not done what we should have done, all of those things. He died for it, paid the price, died in our place so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be washed clean. He died as a perfect sacrifice to save us, and that is what you and I need more than anything else, friends. You see, think about it. When you think about it this way, Christmas is actually quite challenging, because actually at Christmas, we have to admit that we need saving. At Christmas time, we have to admit that you and I actually have a problem of our sin that needs dealing with. We need saving. If we could save ourselves, Jesus wouldn't have come at Christmas. Instead, at the very first Christmas, God would have sent us a to-do list. He would have sent us a to-do list and said, here you go. Here's the things you need to do to earn your way to God. Here's the things you need to do to be a good person. But he didn't do that. He came himself to save us himself. He did it because we are unable to do it on our own. Uh, you know the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town? Uh, what are the lyrics? you remember him? He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Now, what's the premise of that whole song? The premise of that whole song is that Santa will come, and if you've been good, you get good stuff. If you've been bad, you miss out. And did you notice the whole song's driven on fear? you better watch out. Watch out, because if you're not good, you'll miss out. Now, why is Jesus so much better than Santa? (laughs) Because if we were saved by the good things we do, if we were saved based on earning our way to God and being a good person, we would live in fear just like that. Better watch out. Have you been good enough for God? Have you, have you done enough to get to heaven? Is God really love you? Better watch out. All based on fear. But actually instead, at Christmas, we see that Jesus has done it all. He came to save us. He came to do what we can't do. He came to die for us on the cross so that we could be forgiven. He has done it. Now when you recognize that, We don't experience fear, we experience peace, confidence, assurance every day of our lives that we are forgiven, that we are God's children. The joy of acceptance and the joy of forgiveness. It's actually called grace, it means we get what we don't deserve. That's Christmas. Jesus has come to save us, and that is what you and I need most of all. And so I want to ask you this Christmas, have you recognized the challenge of Christmas? That we need saving. We need a saviour. We can't do it ourselves, but the God who loves us so much sent his son Jesus to save us and rescue us and bring us the freedom of forgiveness. Three names of Jesus. Number one, he's the king. Number two, he's the savior. And lastly, we see in this passage of Matthew chapter one, he is Emmanuel. He is Emmanuel. The standout movie this year, biggest movie of the year, what was it? A few people said Oppenheimer. Barbie, it technically was. Um, I've seen it. Not bad. Um, for those of you who has seen it, by the way. But yeah, don't be ashamed. There we go. A lot more people than this morning. Um, uh, Barbie. I mean, uh, by the way, I've been waiting months to, to use Barbie in a sermon, and uh, this is my day, so it's fantastic. I'm very excited. Uh, Barbie. She is in Barbie land. It's the world of perfection. Everything's perfect. She's got a flawless body. She's in paradise. But what she chooses to do is leave Barbie land and enter the real world. She takes on a real body, a human body. She becomes mortal. She experiences what it's like to live as a real human. There's one great scene where she looks down at her leg. She sees some marks on her leg. She says to her friend, Weird Barbie, what is this? And her friend says to her, that's cellulite. It's going to spread everywhere. You're going to get sad and mushy and complicated. And she looks down at her feet. She's shocked. She's got flat feet. She's surprised when she feels some moisture on her face. She's got a tear. First time she's ever cried. And in the real world, she experiences and realizes that people die. All these things she recognizes as she enters the world of humanity. It's funny. The writer of Barbie has said publicly she was... Influenced by the Bible. By the Bible. You see, when we look at Christmas, we see Jesus Christ, who left the throne room of heaven and entered our world, entered our mess, entered our pain. We see Jesus Christ, God Himself, who lowered Himself to become human, to take on a human body. He cried. Jesus experienced pain. Jesus even suffered death. See, that is God come to be with us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means. God with us. God with you. Every religion in the world has the idea of God being separate, set apart from us entirely. Uh, But only one religion has a perfect holy God, of course, but a perfect holy God who comes near, who becomes a human, who comes with us, You think about it. If God wanted to tell us that he loved us, he could have sent a messenger, couldn't he? He could have sent a communication in the sky. No. He came near. The God who made the universe came near to us. If you've ever wondered whether someone cares about you, if you've ever felt alone, know that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, God is with you If you've ever wondered whether there's more to this world than just the here and now, if you've ever been searching for meaning or purpose, remember Christmas where God came near to us and entered our world. If you've ever wondered whether someone truly gets you, truly understands you, truly knows what you're going through, know that at Christmas God came to be with us. And as a follower of Jesus, you are his child. You have a relationship with him. And he is always with you by his spirit. And perhaps tonight you are in the valley. Perhaps tonight you are suffering, and all of us will. And Maybe you feel abandoned. Maybe you feel hurt. At Christmas we recognize and remember that God is with us even in those moments. We just heard from Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley... I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How comforting that God is with us. And of course, most of all, by being Emmanuel, God with us, he was able to die for us and deal with our sin. It had to be that way. To deal with the issue of sin, a human had to die. Because it is humans, like you and I, that have sinned and failed God, but it couldn't be any ordinary human. In God's wisdom, it is Jesus Christ, fully God, fully human, God with us. Friends, this means Christmas is really all or nothing. It is really all or nothing. A lot of people say about Christianity, why do you have to be so exclusive? Why does your religion have to be the only religion? Why can't you just say, okay, Jesus has come to, to, to be one of many ways to God? Well, at Christmas, Jesus has not come to say, I've come to help you find your own way to God. But Jesus has come and said, I am God, come to find you. I am God, come to find you. And as he grew older in his ministry, he claimed to be God. Either he was lying or crazy, or he truly was and is God, Emmanuel, God with us. The King, the Saviour, Emmanuel, God with us question for us this christmas is how are we going to respond how did joseph respond you got to admire joseph because he hears from the angel and the angel tells him to go and take mary as his wife what does he do he does exactly that he does exactly that he's the perfect example for us he hears god's word receives it and puts it into practice I reckon for Joseph to do this, he would have faced some opposition. His mates would have been talking to him, going, Joseph, what are you doing? You can't marry this girl because either you've got her pregnant before marriage or she has been unfaithful to you. Either way, how can you do this, Joseph? How can you press ahead with this marriage? But he did it anyway because he'd heard from God. You know, for us today, it's going to take bravery to follow Jesus, to live for him. It's not always going to be easy. There'll be pushback. There'll be opposition. But if we hear the words of God in the Bible and are truly convinced Jesus is who he said he is, it'll be the best choice you'll ever make. Because there's a God who loves you so much. He came near to you. To be your king, to be your saviour, to be your closest friend and comforter, Emmanuel. If you have never investigated Jesus for yourself as an adult, can I plead with you to do it this Christmas? Take home the gospel that's on your seat, read through it. I'd love to chat with you after. Come along to Christianity Explored, that course that Josh was talking about starting in February. I'd love to see you there. Because Jesus is the hope of the world. He is what we are all searching for and longing for. The King, the Saviour, and our Emmanuel. And that is good, good news. Let me pray for us. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Christmas. We thank you that you have given us Jesus that you have given us our King, that you have saved us from our sins, and that you are with us even now, comforting us, guiding us, and enabling us to know you. We thank you for Christmas, and we pray that this Christmas around our world, people would know the peace that only comes from Jesus, the hope that only comes from Jesus, and the life and forgiveness that only comes from Jesus. We pray this in his name.